brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome back to another Liberty from Captivity podcast. I am your host, Kelly Ward. Today is Friday, November 18th, 2022, and this is episode number 15. The title of today's show is Remitting Sins. The idea of this show was based on something I learned while ministering deliverance recently. What I want to do is to present something that was said to me, segue into a word study on the concept of remitting sins, and finally show you how to apply this. I was on a podcast with Glenda Lomax's ministry called Just Praise Him on July 16th, 2020, where we discussed the concepts of remitting sins. If you heard that show, this may sound like a rehash, as I will be using the same notes that I prepared for that show, although I have made some uh, some changes to it. With that, I would like to share with you what the man told me that I was ministering deliverance to. He told me that he used to work at a meat processing plant, and he worked with a man who was a warlock. He enacted what this warlock would do, and it was laying hands on the meat. Based on this, it sounds as though curses were being put on the meat. I want to explain what you can do about this spiritually, as you can apply it to more than just food. Now, let's segue into the concept of remitting sins. The topic of remitting sins is something not taught very much in churches but is a bit controversial due to religious misconceptions. Remitting sins should be part of the everyday Christian, especially those who engage in spiritual warfare, deliverance, and evangelism. It might be helpful to explain what remitting sins is not before we go any further. No offense to any of the Catholic faith, but part of the reason for the controversy is due to the Catholic religion whereby a priest can pronounce that sins of a person have been forgiven, like, for example, through Hail Marys. This theology does not line up with the Bible, because only God can forgive sins and not man. In other words, this is not about a man pronouncing the forgiveness of sins for someone else. Now that you know what it's not, I would like to demonstrate remitting sins by way of an example. You are probably familiar with generational curses, and I talked about this in episode 7. If you want to go back and listen, I did three episodes, so it's episodes 7, 8, and 9. Anyway, the key to breaking a generational curse is to ask for forgiveness for the sins for yourself, your father, and your forefathers, and declare that the curses are broken, followed by commanding the demons to leave. And it doesn't matter whether or not they are still alive. And I want to state emphatically that remitting sins of a dead person will not save an unsaved person or bring them back from hell. That is not scriptural, so that's not what this is about. So now I want to break this down biblically and explain what remitting sins actually means. Before I go into this, I want to give credit where credit is due. I have been a longtime listener of Dr. Michael Lake from Biblical Life College and Seminary and his wife, Mary Lou, who has a podcast called Kingdom Intelligence Briefing. They have talked numerous times about remitting sins, and their testimony has helped me to understand this concept. I also learned about remitting sins from the late Henry Groover, where I will describe a few of his testimonies later to help you to understand this concept a little better. The key verse comes from John 20, verse 23. The background here is Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. 
This is important because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, as stated in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. It's the power of the blood that forgives sins. Only the Gospel of John records the key verse, though. And I like the King James Version of this, and that's what I'm going to use for these two verses. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. That word remission is the Greek word ephesus, which means pardon or forgiveness. Now, John chapter 20, verses 22 through 23 reads, And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. That word remit is the Greek word ephemi. It means to dismiss, depart from, divorce. The Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament, BDAG, named after the authors Bauer, Arndt, Gingrich, and Danker, describes the word remit as dismiss, release, give up, emit, divorce, move away, to cause a separation. Based on this concept, the idea behind this word is to cut off or to separate, and that's very important. Furthermore, the usage of the word remit is not a religious word, but a legal word. So if this is not about the Catholic theology of a priest pronouncing the forgiveness of sins, then what is it? Again, in simplest of terms, the word remit refers to a separation, but of what? What this refers to is the separation of the power of sin from the person who has committed the sin. This does not eliminate the obligation for someone to repent, though. In other words, remitting someone's sins by asking God to forgive them does not mean that they will be saved as a result, nor will it bring a person back from hell. So can any of this be proven scripturally? Where in the Bible has this been used? Well, Jesus and Stephen applied it. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. So when Jesus said, Father, forgive, that word forgive is the same Greek word, ephemi, which means to dismiss, depart from, divorce. So that's the exact same Greek word that was used back in John 20, verse 23. Stephen likewise also in chapter 7, verse 60, applied this, although he didn't use the same Greek word. But if you look at the context, he's applying the same thing. And it reads, Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So he was asking God to forgive them of their sins. Now that we know what remitting sins is, I would like to explain why it's so important. Let's start with 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. As you know, we are in a spiritual war. The more you can understand the enemy's devices, the better prepared you'll be to counter and even preempt what he does. 
It's the same way with the physical war. If our country goes to war with another country, our military does a lot of reconnaissance, intelligence, spying, and learns how the enemy operates. They plan how they will go to war. Without this knowledge, it's nearly impossible to fight. Witches, warlocks, Satanists, occultists, etc. commit purposeful sins like adultery, incest, animal sacrifices, human sacrifices, drinking blood, pedophilia, etc. Behind the veil, the demons draw power from these sins, and so do the people who do it. Dr. Michael Lake, who I previously mentioned, refers to this phenomenon as the iniquity force. In other words, sin is what empowers the dark spiritual batteries of the demonic kingdom. Think of it like charging the battery on your phone. The more power you have, the more you can use it. It also gives the demons legal right to influence people. It is my opinion that one reason why Jesus and Stephen remitted sins was to nullify the demonic power that the enemy would have gained by committing, thereby preventing a demonic stronghold. The Apostle Paul knew about the demonic strongholds in Ephesus very well. He wrote about the whole armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. The Ephesians were worshippers of the female goddess Diana, or otherwise known as the pagan goddess Artemis. Because of this, the enemy had a stronghold on that area. And I would like to focus here for a moment on Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. I have stated before, and I will state it again, never do battle against a principality unless you absolutely know that the Lord has told you to do so. You have to be absolutely sure. In general, that is for God's angels to do battle. They provide the air force where we provide the army or ground support. The reason for this is nowhere in the Bible are we given authority to do warfare on this level. Jesus told us to cast out demons, and demons are not principalities. However, remitting sins can be applied, and it is an effective weapon that can weaken the stronghold and is a safe way to do battle. And if you want to know more, I did a blog post titled Demon vs. Principality that's a quick read if you want to understand this a little bit more. The link is in the description for this show and in the blog section for this podcast. One way to review remitting sins as part of spiritual warfare is like this. Remitting sins is passive, where engaging the enemy by binding them up or casting them out is active. Another way to passively fight is to ask God to release angels to do battle. In fact, this is probably the best way regarding principalities. So, the point here is to nullify the power of the enemy. But why? What can we do with this? So, here are three ways that you can apply the spiritual law of remitting sins. Number one, breaking generational curses and curses in general. I briefly discussed breaking generational curses at the beginning of this podcast, but I want to make the point that when you're breaking generational curses, you are asking for forgiveness, not only for yourself, but also for your parents, grandparents, and ancestors from hundreds of years ago that you have never even known. Do you remember at the beginning of this podcast, the man that informed me that a warlock put curses on the meat? That was the reason I decided to do this podcast. 
In praying over my food, I had stopped asking God to forgive those who collected it, butchered it, prepared it, packaged it, manufactured it, etc. I realized that I needed to start doing that again. A lot of churches are infiltrated by witches, and if they have gatherings, like during the holidays where they have potluck dinners, I advise you to pray over that food and remit the sins of those who prepared it. You can do this simply by asking God to forgive the sins of those who prepared it and just declare that any curses that may have been put on it to be broken in Jesus' name. Number two, clearing the spiritual error in places we go and for evangelism. To illustrate this, I would like to share a testimony from the late Henry Groover, who I mentioned earlier. In case you have never heard about him, he was a powerful man of God who was known for prayer walking. This is where he would go around to different parts of cities, usually in the worst parts, and ask God to forgive sins that were committed in certain areas. So the first one is when God asked him to remit the sins that were committed at the Shrewsbury Castle in England as he was prayer walking. Henry then asked God, what his definition was when someone's sins are remitted. God told Henry, quote, When you ask me to forgive a person who is not repenting, I, the Lord God, lift the heavy load of condemnation temporarily off of the sinner, giving to the sinner a space of time without condemnation to repent, for it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance, end quote. Henry also revealed that remitting sins will break down the stronghold of the power of sin over a particular area. Otherwise, the demonic stronghold can continue. But this is a good example of praying before engaging in evangelism so that the power of the sin can be cut off from the sinner temporarily so that they will be more likely to receive the gospel. In another testimony about Henry Groover, he was prayer walking in Fort Worth late one night. A gang leader grabbed him by the head, put a knife to his throat, and told him, You've been walking my turf for these three days and nights. This is my territory. You're going to die. Henry was afraid to swallow because the knife point was close to his Adam's apple. Henry quietly cried out to the Lord, and the Lord said to Henry, Forgive him. Henry thought, Lord, he's not repenting. The Lord responded, What did I do on the cross? Did I forgive him? Yes, you did. Then you died, replied Henry. Ask me to forgive him, said the Lord. So Henry asked the Lord to forgive him. It was at that point the gang leader stepped back, folded up the knife, and asked Henry, What were you doing? Henry said, I was asking God to forgive you because you don't know what you're doing. He pulled the knife back out and said, You don't think I'd cut you with this knife? I've cut many people with this, and I wouldn't hesitate to cut you. Henry replied, Then why didn't you? And this is the real power of remitting sins. Listen to this. The guy steps back again and folding the knife, putting it in his pocket. He said, I lost the desire. Afterwards, the gang leader gave his heart to the Lord. Henry found out that the gang leader became afraid of Henry even though he had a knife to his throat. So based on this testimony, you can see the power of remitting the sins of people in preparation for evangelism. 
My personal suggestion to you is to remit the sins of every place you visit, like going to the grocery store, your place of work, when you visit someone else's home, and even at church. Number three, exercise a house or land. Or, And when I say exercise, I mean to cast out demons. For example, a haunted house can be cleaned out by remitting the sins of those who carried them out. There aren't ghosts in the house, but rather there are demons that are there by legal right that the sin produced. You can remit the sins that open the door and command the demons to leave. Pleading the blood of Jesus is also important. For example, if a murder, otherwise known as the shedding of innocent blood, had taken place on the property, it creates a covenant of death. In essence, it's a curse. This is a legal right for the enemy to operate. I have another quick Henry Groover testimony where he was prayer walking in Baltimore where gang violence brought a covenant of death to a part of town where a church was located. Henry was prayer walking this area, remitting the sins that led to reconciliation by the gangs. A Catholic church had become so frustrated because of all the deaths, and they had funeral after funeral. Henry was allowed to preach there and win souls to the Lord. Sometime later, the Catholic bishop reported that they had no other deaths after this had happened. So I hope that this concept of remitting sins is helpful to you. In conclusion, I would like to recap what we have discussed. Remitting sins is a biblical concept based on John chapter 20, verse 23. This concept is about separating the power of the sin from the sinner. Jesus and Stephen use this concept. It's important because demonic forces use sin as their power source. And there are at least three ways to apply it. One, breaking generational curses and curses in general. Two, clearing the spiritual air. And three, exercising a house or land. This can now be part of your spiritual arsenal to fight against the enemy. If you have any comments or questions, you can post them on libertyfromcaptivity.com in the blog section. Also, if you want to contact me directly, feel free to send me a message in the contact section or just email me at kelly at libertyfromcaptivity.com. Have a great weekend and God bless you. Saves us from our faults and fears.
giving us the peace that we so desperately Bitter.